you buy the government You even get the profits to pay for it When you buy the government They are Eating the bushes for profit 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 There are no rights
KPO San Francisco Prison Focus Another year 89.5 FM KPO.com Turn them in a fool No time to lose your cool Just give them rules and culture Teach them the golden rule The city streets are gone nice When the youth have a choice Of equal opportunities to the guns or eyes But the system cannot fall With our backs against the wall So people rise to the call And we don't have no time to play We work hard each and every day Boom, boom, boom KPOO San Francisco What made me feel I wasn't a kid anymore? It wasn't turning 19. It happened earlier, the year after I got kicked out of my grandma's house when I was 16. I was living with my dad for the first time since my early single digit years, four or five years old. It felt different because I always got to visit him growing up, but I hadn't got to live with him since I was too young to remember. I was happy to live with him again, for real. Happier than a little kid riding his new bike on Christmas morning. I was happy not to have to go visit him in jail. Happy not to feel sad anymore if my dad said he was coming to pick me and my little brother up and didn't show. Happy just knowing I would be able to enjoy my dad's presence at any time of the day or night. But as time passed, as many youngsters do, I found my way in and out of trouble. Nothing big, but big enough. So after a few months went by, either Pops and myself got taller, or maybe one of us shrunk. Point is, we stopped seeing eye to eye. To this day, I really don't even know why. Maybe we hadn't had time to know, like really get to know each other, or maybe we were just too much alike. But I'm assuming you know how it works. My house, my rules, you don't like it, I'm changing locks, so do a moving, no looking back or making stops. Except I wasn't given the choice to like it or not. Just a simple get your shit and get out. So there it was, around 3 in the morning, and I'm walking down the street with a bag that weighs in more than my little brother. Flipping through phone contacts, mine racing 200 miles per hour trying to figure out somewhere to go. Now a few more months passed. I'm on my own, well, living with a friend. Barely sleeping, showering here, clothes there. Just trying to make the best out of a bad situation. Then one day I get this phone call from my auntie. Go to the house and get your little brother. So then people don't take him, they taking your dad to jail. What? What happened? I'm on my way. Doing a hundred on my five point toes, feeling like my world was coming to an end, that the weight on my back could get even heavier. Is this really happening? I kept thinking until I got there. And true enough, my dad was going to jail. Looking for my little brother, I must have looked like a suspect. What are you doing here? Who are you? How old are you? Is he going to live with you? Where? Question after question from the police. As of just seeing the police in my dad's house wasn't bad enough. I couldn't tell them I was only 16, didn't have a home of my own, the whole thing became even scarier. My dad was going to jail and I watched court TV, isn't lying to the police a crime within itself. But with bottom lips trembling and legs shaking, I got through it ended up convincing them I was legit. Or maybe they really didn't even care and just had to say they asked. The world seemed to spin a little faster now, as everything was now on me, school clothes, Rent, food, I want to go here, I want to go there, all on me. Taking care of a kid with most older people still called me a baby. I'd rather not go into details about how, but I pulled it off. And yeah, there were people I could have turned to for help, but they weren't there when we were babies and really needed them, so I figured we didn't need them now. So with my I do it myself, I don't need anyone, we all we got attitude, and most importantly, the hedge of protection that I know God placed upon us, we got through the next few months. Then as the neighbors started to get nosier than they already were and started to run their mouth, the building manager started to investigate. And faking the grown-ups would be home shortly was getting tiresome. Have you ever had the feeling someone was watching you? It's a cold feeling. Now here the manager go with the question and answer game. How old are you? Who all lives here? Enough said, it was time to find another place to reside. With my back against the ropes, I was still fighting with my inner self, trying to avoid asking anyone for anything, for the simple fact that it always seems to get thrown back in my face at some point. 
I don't like to hear that I did this for you. I did that for you down the line. And I don't like to owe anybody anything. Asking for help has always been one of the hardest things for me to do. But with a 30-day notice on our door and a slim chance of getting a new one when I wasn't 18 yet, what could I do now? Flipping through phone contacts once again, I finally thought to call my big sis. She had actually insisted on helping with everything from the beginning, but I had always told her we was cool, we didn't need nothing, and everything was fine, even if it wasn't. My grandma always said a closed mouth don't get fed, but hey, we was eating. Still looking back now, asking my sister for help seems as simple as the scripture, asking you shall receive. So the fog started to clear, and it began looking a little better for the home team. We had a new apartment, which meant a new beginning. A couple months later, my dad got out. No hard feelings, I loved him, he'll always be my dad. It was time to move forward in life now. I went to Job Corps looking forward to get a trade and finish up school. But soon, I found my way back into some trouble. No way, trouble found me. Like really knocked on my door one night. But I'm not the one to point the finger. I take responsibility for my actions. So, there I was in jail, on the other side of the glass. And the shoes my dad once wore. Giving nothing but time to think about my life. What I wanted to happen in it. My little brother, and who he might become if he didn't have anyone but the deceased rapper Mac Dre to look up to. I thought about the past year and what I needed to do to make things better. How things that you simply take for granted can be taken from you, and then you have to fend for yourself. I learned to accept the fact that I do and will need people's help at certain points in life. I even produce some patience. So yeah, if anyone wants to ask me, I believe what you go through in life makes you who you are. Through it all, I got to see my affection without a mirror and tell myself, step it up and get it together because the world doesn't see you as a kid anymore. So here I am, sharing my story with you all. I'm now 20 years old, going to Landy College in Oakland, California and working with Project What to build a training curriculum for teachers and social workers, hoping to better the lives of others who have dealt with their parents being incarcerated. Still dealing with some of my own. Change the world. 
Yes, I together we strong here on KPOO San Francisco. Every week we come together, we hear, we debate, we discuss, we analyze America's love affair with its present systems. Obviously, one or two people cannot do it alone. Therefore, this song is saying, let's stand together. Together we can do this thing. So, uh, yes, every week Sister Nube is right with us talking to us about uh, some of the experiences and take us forward in terms of organization and in terms of just focusing our mind in terms of what is it that we need to be engaged in right now. So, Sister Nube, well, very much welcome to you. Good morning, Brother Leonard and all of our listeners out there. And Shout out, of course, to our brothers and sisters behind the wall today. How is it out there? Oh, everything is, everything is good, sister. What about you? Okay, well, uh, doing the best we can, of course. It is February 21st, and 2019, um, and slavery is still not abolished. It is taking place um, in the form of prison slavery, and we know that because we still have the exception clause to the 13th Amendment, which says, neither slavery nor involuntary servitude, except as punishment for crime, whereof the party shall have been duly convicted, shall exist within the United States or any place subject to their jurisdiction. This is a human rights crisis. There, um, and again, we are seeing it played out in our prison system, um, California being one of the worst. And um, if any of your listeners were with us last week, you know that we did talk about the issue that is happening at Corcoran State Prison. There's the lockdown there. Families are protesting that lockdown, um, fighting for the human rights for their loved ones on the inside. And we are, I uh, rallied with them last weekend, and um, they're just an amazing group of mothers and wives fighting for their sons and husbands inside wanting to lift this lockdown and stop the um, the gladiator fights that um, CDCR and the guards are are making sure that is happening to um, instigate violence um, to justify how we see it is to justify their jobs and make sure and what we want to do is change the the narrative out here and around how people incarcerated people are uh, being viewed on the inside. These are um, sons and, and, and daughters and uncles and fathers. They want to see their children. They want to be able to do their time and get their programming without having um, the CDCR and the guards um, uh, interfering with their time so that they can um, get their programming, do their sentencing, and get out so they can be with their families. I want to say that um, the protesting, the of their loved ones on the inside, um, is ongoing. And so these are a few things that all of you out there can do. And I want to give a, a, a few um, action items that you can take to be in support of um these uh, family members on the inside and the family members on the outside who are fighting for them. The first thing that you can do is you can um, um, hear the voices, more voices of people on the inside about what's happening in our um, in our nation's prisons, primarily California, by going to um, the next Liberate the Caged Voices event that's going to be happening on February 28th. That is... Um, Thursday, February 28th, 
and that is going to be at the, um, sorry about this, it's going to be at the Lost and Found Beer Garden at 2040 Telegraph Avenue in Oakland. You can also go to prisons.org, which is CP, uh, California Prison Focus's website, and you can um, look at our calendar there. You can also go to, there are events that are going, there are protests that are going to be taking place on Saturday and Sunday, February 23rd and 24th at Corcoran, um, and you can find that um, on the incarceratedworkers.org um, website, and also at Soledad Prison, State Prison, on March 2nd and 3rd, and you can go to the Facebook events page and find that there, as well as the incarceratedworkers.org um, website to keep those updates. Um, so those are the things that you can do um, immediately to um, to educate, update, and inform yourself about the ongoing fight for human rights for um, families and their loved ones being affected by uh, mass incarceration slash prison slavery. Yes, that's the voice of Sister Nube. Nube, in a minute we will continue uh, with the plans that we have for this program. Uh, we're broadcasting here from KPO San Francisco. KPO can now be heard on smart speakers as well. If you have a smart speaker that run on Alexa, Google Assistant, or Siri, you can say, "Hey Alexa," or "Hey Google," or "Hey Siri," play KPO, and the speaker will actually play KPO. And if this time, it will play Prison Focus. Every week we wow. come together here <laughs> and we debate and discuss some of the things. And one of the brethren that I used to quote on here is actually Watani Steiner, the original OG. I used to love reading Watani's articles, not only for myself, but also for you, the listeners out there, Brother Robert, Sister Rajni, uh, Sister Rene, and all of those people listening to uh, Brother Ta- Watani. And he has this article, The Struggle We Have With Personal Choices. I love the, the, the caption that you always use. You have to go deeper into it. And in this one, he is saying, his opening is saying, it is hard to live in a whorehouse and not become a trick. If you stay inside that house long enough, day in and day out, what might originally have been an offense or immoral or unethical to you starts to seem normal. Eventually, you might find yourself checking your watts and counting your money too. The same goes for living as a prisoner. It's hard to live in a prison and not be influenced by the prevailing attitudes and behaviors contained in such a rigidly regulated and oppressive environment. It is difficult to have the moral courage to stand on principles, resist peer pressure, and maneuver around prison politics. For example, it's difficult for prisoners to demand human treatment or proclaim solidarity with those yelled in solitary confinement without fear of administrative retribution. Sister Nube, isn't that a a nice piece? You know, like the opening, it's catching you, it's talking about the situation that we have today even, where we get swallowed by lies and deceit and, 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 and concoctions and all of these things that become so normal to us, you know? Absolutely. And Watani is he's such a great storyteller and and he's just wise. Those are just wise words and, and really telling very personally what happened. And you know, I'm glad that we can share and that's why we brought Watani back this week to talk in person to us about some of these issues. Watani, are you there? Yes, I am. Wow, yes, you're am. actually oh, there. <laughs> so we were just yeah. reading we were, I was just sharing some of the article um, that I ro- that I read about you and talking about you know so many wonderful things about Malcolm X about Nelson Mandela. I will share some of that later. I will give to Sister Nube to say hi to you first. Oh, 
Mm-hmm. Well, hello, Watani. Welcome hey, back. We are so right. happy to have you back and be able to talk about, uh, we kind of, uh, Put that aside last week because we had that breaking news. We're really happy to have you back to be able to talk about mm-hmm. this new this um, this show that's coming up that mm-hmm. you are going to be doing with two of your children and um, and really mm-hmm. bring forth. Um, yeah, just tell us. Uh, it's going to be exciting to hear about about that show coming up on um, the twenty fourth Sunday um, yes. from yes. two to four at Sheriff Israel. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, welcome, um, freedom fighter, elder, storyteller, father, and friend. Welcome back, mm-hmm. and we are looking forward to hearing about um, the program that's coming up. Mm-hmm. Wow, thank you, thank you, uh, Nuve and uh, uh, Brother Leonard. I really uh, appreciate you know all the work that you all are doing, and yeah, and us, you know, and the information that you're getting out to people who are. Uh, you know, captives inside, and, and well as the public outside. So I'm, I, I just want to extend my uh, my gratitude for the work Bless that you're you. doing and continue to Bless do, everyone. and the inspiration you bring to the movement, uh, uh, Nube. It's really, uh, I don't know, it's really inspiring and energizing to me to keep me going. That's what keeps me young, I believe. So, yes, uh, um, um, you want me to talk about the program or what What? what uh, exactly uh, are we going to focus yeah. on? Well, you know, it's it's. Uh, it, I really feel like there's just such um, uh, kind of a unity of consciousness here around, like just what we had started with and talking about how the family members are are fighting for their their loved ones' mm-hmm. human rights, and you know, considering the the, um, the show that you're putting that you and your children are putting mm-hmm. together, um, yeah, I would just love for you to to, to tell us, um, you know, yeah, what. What made you decide to create this show and put it together? And um, yeah, just I, yeah. I will. Okay. okay, that's good. Well, uh, first of all, the title of the of the show we have is "Steel Bars and Real Scars," and uh, we came up with that title because you know steel bars. When we talk about steel bars, there's there's definitely real scars, but the real scars are on both sides of those bars. You know the um, the people who are captive inside, as well as the family members outside, because you know, like uh, a lot of the men inside of prison uh, have uh, you know family, children, mother, father, you know. So those things, and I and I and I also realize that you know children are really the collateral damage of the criminal injustice system, and and I don't think that's being talked about enough, and uh, so I'm trying to put that on the table. So this. Uh, uh, program that we're putting together, Steel Bars and Real Scars, uh, addresses those those issues uh, because my story sort of encompasses the whole range of things, so we're sort of adding layers as we go on. And that's a presentation about the impact of the, you know, the, the imprisonment of prisoners, and their families, you know, as you see it through the eyes of uh, someone who's uh, incarcerated, who was a formerly incarcerated father, and also my son and and, and daughter. Now, I think it's important to say this about uh, a young father, you know, who escaped from San Quentin, flew the country, you know, fled the country to South America, and I left behind like my two little sons. My son is two and three years old when I left when I was, and then after 20 years, I was forced to return wow. and I left behind another family. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's wow. talking about those, those, uh, those family and the impact that it has uh, on them. And, uh, uh, I think it would be a very, uh, informative, uh, presentation where we would also have discussions around it. Uh, people would also be able to share, some of that story during the uh, reception uh, period of this. Um, it's at the Sharif Hotel. I mean, Sharif, Sharif, Israel, at 2266 California Street, San Francisco, California. And uh, I, I invite everyone to come and, you know, uh, and check it out. Just repeat the address, please, uh, Watani. Okay, that address is Sharif. Israel, 
is at 2266 California Street, uh, San Francisco, California. And the time is from 2 to 4 p.m. So 2 o'clock to 4 o'clock is the time that uh, we're and also allowing some time for us to have a conversation or some dialogue around those issues that impact uh, a great number of, of, of men and women in this country. Yes, and I, and I do want to put out there just um, in terms of logistics, um, also, if you aren't able to write that down, you can always go to prisons.org, and that's the California Prison Focus website, to check out our calendar there, and you can... Um, uh, if you are not, to get the address and, yeah. and all those details as well. Yeah, so for the that's, a, yeah that's, 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 that's a, uh, important. It's sponsored by California Prison Focus, mm-hmm. and California Prison Focus is actually uh, putting, it, uh, putting the show on, and, you know, of course, they're doing incredible work, uh, which you've been following on the, on this program. And this is just one program that's, that's going to launch a launch, uh many other programs around uh, the question of, you know, incarceration and the whole criminal injustice system. Yeah, that's the and voice of Watani Steiner and also uh, Sister Nube from California. About. Nube, I am not going to um, intervene in your discussion with Brother Watani, and it's not necessary that the brother must answer this, but it's so interesting that he made a a connection between uh, Malcolm X and Nelson Mandela and calling them two of the most iconic prisoners of our time. We are able to turn the, and those two were able to turn the negative situations into something positive. Despite their conditions, Malcolm X and Mandela cultivated self-motivation, rearranged their priorities, elevated their consciousness, and become committed warriors of social justice. This is an example we also can follow. Malcolm X self-proclaimed pimp and street hustler sentenced to prison decided to challenge and change those self-destructive views and values defined by his past. He didn't like what he saw in himself, society and the world. Thus he decided to question the status quo and change the man he was. He challenged himself to study, discover, and teach the truth and meaning of his experiences. Also Nelson Mandela, despite his capture, political prosecution, and years of isolation at the notorious Robben Island, refused to give in, give up, give out. He refused to give up, give in, but he gave out, or and give out. Finally, Mandela negotiated his release and became the first black president of a democratic South Africa. He triumphantly remarked, in my country, we go to prison first and become, and then become president. This is certainly not an OG argument for more prisons. Nor is it the suggestion that Malcolm X and Mandela believe that prison is the ideal place for obtaining a good education or building moral character. Rather, this is a quest for prisoners to understand how these two determined men sentenced to prison for completely different reasons overcame and transcended their surroundings. Now, you, Watani, remind me of one of those people. You know, the, the fact that you openly share uh, through the, 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 the steels and bars and real scars that you openly share. And I would love to know, you know, your son was here talking so eloquently a couple of years ago uh, on this program, talking about, you know, big things that make us wonder, you know, why he has that special talent. You know, what is the intensity that caused that? Now we hear about another family that you have left behind, that you build up after 20 years. So we want to understand how you, as a man, as an individual, deal with those. How those two families link with the love that you are bonding or that you... We just want to know, 
you know and mm-hmm. then we can mm-hmm. learn from that experience definitely we can learn so everybody should come out um on this sunday uh between two and four give us the address again nube and then you can take it away from there okay the um it's again it's on sunday february 24th at sheriff israel and watani you have it as 2266 california street um yes. i'm just going to say on the calendar it says 2263 california california street um okay. but it is at sheriff yeah. israel mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. and it's in san francisco Okay, folks, so please come out. There's That's in California Street, and right? Real Stars. Yes, a okay. story of resistance, incarceration, and perseverance. Again, um, it is um, Sunday, February 24th from 2 to 4 p.m., Sheriff Israel. Um, I've just been confirmed, thank you, um, with 2266 California Street. 2226? Um, yes, 226. California Street. 2266. Yes, California Street. And mind you, it's in San Francisco, folks. Please come out. This is going to be an amazing... um, I mean, I don't... uh, Listen... Listen to Watani's words. This is um, this is a real opportunity to to see um, and get a better understanding. Not to see, but to feel um, that steel bars and real scars and having the loved ones on the outside. And um, Watani, um, yes, I would I would love for you to talk um, more about just what. Um, Brother Leonard just read about yeah. um, what it meant for yeah. you, maybe to be um, as you are trans going through a transformation on the inside, knowing that um, you know second time around, right? That mm-hmm. you have in order to to protect and save your family, um, mm-hmm. you needed to do that for yourself, and you find yourself back in in prison, and that transformation that you're going through um, to, to um, and what that meant for you in terms of viewing that through your family on yeah. the outside. Yeah, well, yeah, thank you for that question, because that is, uh, that has been a difficult question. Is it not, you know, difficult for me, but difficult for many uh, men and women inside of prison trying to maintain that connection with family it's not it's it's it's, it's definitely not easy uh, like uh, i always when i explained it when uh when i got out of prison I, I always try to maintain contact through my letters or through word or just try to do something every day to let to remind my children that i love them you know and i thought that uh wow. you know when i got out of prison you know, I thought that, you know, like the greatest challenge I would have would be like the technology, the cell phones and the computers and all the electronics and GPS was a big trip for me. So I thought that that would be the greatest challenge I would have. But I found out once I got out of prison that the greatest challenge was my relationship with my children. And I think that that's, that's uh, something that, you know, we don't really... Uh, understand until we get out we don't really understand how difficult that is in making that transition where you know and when i talk about transformation i'm not really talking about just you know transformation just to be changing or transforming from one thing to the other but more of a emancipatory transformation that frees you and allows you to make that yes let me interrupt you for a second please because I want mm. to hear at this event that we're going to have steel bars and real scars on California Street, 2266 California, this Sunday. Are we mm-hmm. going to hear your, your son speaking about how he felt? Mm-hmm. Or, or how is that going to work? We're going to feel them? We're going to tell mm. the people how yeah. we're going to yeah. experience that? Well, it's going it's gonna to be sort of a combination of things. It's going to okay. be a mixture of... Storytelling. My son is a spoken word artist, so he's going to uh, share wow. his, uh, you know, what happened to him. Wow. Because you know, we hear a lot of things what happened oh with God. you know people inside, but we'll, he'll be sharing his story, what he had to go through uh, growing up, uh, you know, 
without his father and, and trying to still maintain that connection. My daughter has a different perspective because she was, you know, born in South America. So she, uh, being without a, you know, being without a father then. So the story, so she would share her story through letters that she maintained or that she's kept over the years. My son will be sharing it in, uh, in spoken word and I'll be telling, uh, my story, uh, as well. So it's like this, Wow. Of storytelling. Uh, my, my eye is already so swelling up just thinking about the emotion, the intensity, the words that will come out of those two youngsters and one from the U.S. and the other one from South America sharing that experience of different times in your life. Yeah, yeah. And that's, and you know, what made, wow. it, made it so, uh, and it's so powerful is that my son has one piece of the story when I was a young man, a re- revolutionary, or well, still revolutionary, a radical during my uh, coming up of age. He was young, and my daughter uh, in South America uh, also experiencing my life and our relationship at a different point of my life. So they got together and they sort of put the pieces together. So, like, they know what dad is like from, you know, from my young age and. My daughter also would share her story about knowing me as a, you know, someone who's uh, on the, you know, as an exile, and yeah. So it's 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 a really very powerful story, and uh, we can always add layers to it because I have more children, so they have their stories, and and my other daughter, so everyone can add their story. But this would be like the. Um, you know, the beginning of the story, which not just only ours, it's not just particularly to ours, but it also tells the story of other men and women who are also uh, separated from their parents and their uh, and, and what they're going through and telling that story. So it can be a human story that's told that uh, impacts uh, a, a wide range of people and how unjust this system is and who it actually impact who really benefits from it and uh so this is watani uh, steiner <laughs> that's the voice of watani steiner and before those two people were actually born your son and your mm-hmm. daughter you yeah. have been you know working for for boeing at that time designing and i mean if you didn't go the way of resistance of of opposing the system you would have been one of the main people in boeing because even at that age at that crucial stage of discrimination you were already breaking through that barrier so the intelligence that you have is something that we cannot um uh, we cannot move that away. We cannot move it out of the way. And wherever you come, you are applying that intelligence. Let me just finish off with this piece that I was working on uh, as the background to your discussion with Sister Nube. So what you are ending off here is, so whether we're talking about societies, whorehouses, prisons, or hoods, we are not compelled to submit or surrender to dictates to the dictates of those conditions. Choices arise and are presented to us in a given context. And that context can either impede or inspire human possibility. But ultimately it is up to us whether we choose to surrender to them. It is up to mm. us to decide if we want to be the tricks or if we want to be free. The choices is so powerful. So let me uh, change my choice to Sister Nube instead of me rambling on here. I give it over to you, <laughs> Sister. No, that's great. Yeah, let me say something on that that you just read, which I thought was, you know... Was Go really, well ahead. It's really, it's, it's really important to, to emphasize that part is that you know, that a lot of times we say that, you know, uh, uh, I remember going to the board, or you had a choice, you had a choice, you know, but they don't, it made it, but it's not taken into that, we, of course we have choices, but those choices are, you know, are dictated or presented to exactly. us by the context in which we find ourselves. So it's not just a question that you just have a choice just out of the abstract or anywhere. Those choices that you have are, are limited by the, if you're in an impressive con- uh, context, then those choices 
uh, uh, limited. It can lead you one way or the other. So, I, you know, so I think that's that's uh, that's important to emphasize. Yeah, but what stand out for me as well, I recognize that point. But what stand out for me as well is the the compelling. Uh, initiative to su- not to submit, but to surrender, mm-hmm. but not to not to submit or surrender to those conditions, but to overcome those conditions uh, uh, that is weak, that is weakening you, or that is detrimental to your progress. You know that is what's standing out for me as the choice that we have in that section. So thank you so much, man, for your original view mm-hmm. over there. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Thank yeah. you, too, for that, Watani. And I'm going to take just a little bit darker aspect of that or, or kind of call uh, – well, actually, I'm not going to take a darker. I'm going to call out the CDCR and what's happening on the inside because mm-hmm. when it's – you say, and that context can either impede or inspire human mm-hmm. possibility. Mm-hmm. And right now, mm-hmm. the conditions inside of our state prisons and what the CDCR mm-hmm. and the guards are allowing – is it in a, a direct <laughs> impediment and a direct um, assault on the in- inspiration to the human possibility, and um, and that is why I think it's um, I, again, Watani. I, I would love to you for you to talk about telling. Um, really, um, I, I feel like it really uh, brings out the possibility of the human possibility. It helps to change the narrative, which I feel is so important, because um, right now, the, um, the CDC small r um, has um, control over the narrative in the public um, around that these are just one-dimensional, pe- um, uh, one-dimensional uh, people who are just criminals, and in fact, they are not. They have dreams, they, um, and so etc. And I would love for you to talk a little bit about about that and that um, uh, in the context of, of storytelling and why it's so important to show that you're doing with your family, with your with your children. Yeah, story, for, for, for me, storytelling is, is so important because you can connect with people on the level of storytelling that you cannot uh, even if you know, with all the theoretical constructs and things that you can present to somebody, the 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 best way to connect with people, if you know their stories, because if you know their stories, then you can connect. Then you know how the person got to be where they are. So you, you understand that there's a there's a humanity that's connected to it. And when I when I speak of story, I'm not just talking about stories and be telling stories, because we all have stories. But how do we connect those stories to the structural injustices of this mm-hmm. society? Mm-hmm. I think that that's where it becomes instructive. When I, when, you know, when I tell my story, I tell my story, but I tell it in a way where people can learn and see how it's connected to exactly. the injustices in this society, not just like a bedtime story, but a story that really cuts to the, the you know, the... The, the pain and the suffering and, and, and the brain in all this bring forth the humanity of, of people and people that are incarcerated inside they they have a story and they, you know in this narrative about you know prison lock them up throw away the keys and and, and, and and make you know put it in the in the sense of good guys bad guys and these are the bad guy that needs to be locked up those are the narrative of the oppressive. This is the, this is the story that they're telling, and they're trying to get us to believe that story. And that's where the power comes in, is not only that you tell the story, but that you get other people to believe that story. Unless we come up with our, our, our own narrative, our own narrative that challenges the, 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 the predominant narrative, then we become trapped we become trapped in their, in their reality, and 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 it's not it's not easy. It's difficult. It's difficult because they have all the forces that's reinforcing that, you know. So it's it's sort of like a catechism of impossibility, where all of these lists of things that we cannot do are the things that we are we are not we are not human enough to to rise above our or our oppression. When we go into that, that means we're buying into that, their narrative, and that's. That's a struggle. That's just as powerful struggle as a struggle that you're fighting uh, if you just take up arms and fight someone. Because that's the struggle 
That's the struggle that keeps us in prison. We become captive in our own concepts. We become prisoners of our own self because they we bought into their narrative. You know, so I, I you know, I, and I, you know, I think that that's that's something what you just raised. I think that's so important of how we can, you know, change the narrative and change the, you know, the the way that we see ourselves and change and, and believe in ourselves because that's what the narrative is going to believe in ourselves that we can change, you know, what's going on around us in, in spite of all the, the, the narrative that tell us that we can't and that we can't, that we're up against, uh, you know, forces that, you know, that we cannot overcome and that we should submit, that we should, should surrender, you know. That's why I say we should never give up, we should never give in, and we should never give out because, this is what they want us to believe in ourselves, and that's all centered around the pose upon us. Yes, man, and what I'm going to take away from here, from your story today, is that our story is not false, our story is not fake, our story is not gossip, our story is not lies, our story is not their story, our story is real. So I'm going to give to uh, my sister Nube to send us out within one minute and then we make way for better and bigger things and uh, please sister Nube remind us again about the event. Thank you so much brother uh, Watani, we will speak again. Uh, much love right, to you thanks. and your family. Thank you. Bless her. Much love. Thank you. Thank you so much, Watani. Much love. And yes, yeah, so um, I, I I definitely want to remind people the name of the show is Steel Bars and Real Scott Stars: A Story of Resistance, Incarceration, and Perseverance. This is a show being put on by our guest here, Watani Steiner, and his two children. This is going to be Sunday, February twenty fourth from 2 to 4 p.m. at Sheriff Israel 2266 California Street, San Francisco. You can go to California Prison Focus's website at prisons.org, and you will find that information there on our calendar page. Also, please do visit our website, and you can also read that story for yourself that we put here, that we read here from Watani at issue 57. Thank you so much. See you next week. Alright, alright. Rise up, rise up, open your eyes up. Man, I dead feel hungry and them I raise the price up. Tears I feel, mama, eyes up. They keep picking up fish here, me 